Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to this Wednesday episode of Let's Ride. I'm Jeff Hartman, the co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And here we are again. It's hump day. That's right. Happy Wednesday, everyone. I hope that your day is off to a great start. Maybe you're checking us out in the afternoon or evening. And I hope you had a great Wednesday. But I thank you for taking the time. You know, it's funny. I talked on Monday, and I mentioned it, I think, last Friday, about the Ride or Die crew. The Ride or Die crew is getting some steam on Twitter. I've got to be honest. I've been putting it as a hashtag more and more. The people that always listen to the shows are using it. We're finding some really hysterical videos or gifts to, to put into our tweets. It's it's becoming a lot of fun. I do enjoy it. If you want to follow me on Twitter, by the way, you go to go to Twitter and create an account. If you don't have an account, if you have one, search me. It's at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N, underscore P-I-T. Follow me. And, you know, today's a big day because Wednesday in the second half of the show, we always dive into the mailbag, and that's when I take a look at your questions, and I answer every single one of your questions. You all gave some really, really good ones this week. Not as many as last week, but that doesn't mean, hey, we're talking about quality over quantity on this Wednesday, but there's a lot of stuff to get through. The Pittsburgh Steelers are done. We know this. The Super Bowl is coming up on Sunday. I'm going to give you my picks this Friday, or my pick this Friday on who I think is going to win the Lombardi Trophy. Will it be Tom Brady? Will it be Patrick Mahomes? Will it be Andy Reid, or will it be... Bruce Arians. That's still weird to think about, considering he used to be the Steelers' offensive coordinator. Nonetheless, he came out of retirement, quote-unquote retirement. Uh, But what I wanted to do is focus on the 2020 draft class for today's show. Before I get into that, 
I want to talk about some news. It's, it's what I've been doing. In case you have missed a couple shows, uh, with, with us not having as many podcasts, things like Injury Report podcast, because clearly that's only in the season. Mike Tomlin press conference recaps, again, only in season. Well, because we aren't having those as frequently as we had been, news then becomes, well, are we getting all the news? Are you following along? And so I said, but you know what? I'm, I'm with these people Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. The least I can do is to actually say, well, you know what? I'm just going to talk about the news. I'm going to give them the news that they might have missed between Monday and Wednesday, and then Wednesday and Friday, and then over the weekend. So in case you hadn't heard, the Steelers, this was rumored already that Adrian Clem, he was the assistant offensive line coach for the Steelers, and he used to play for the, like back in the Drew Bledsoe days for the New England Patriots. He's been on the Steelers staff. He was promoted and is the new offensive line coach. So they fill one of their vacancies. And a lot of people are not happy about this because a lot of people think, okay, well, when they got rid of Munchak, when Mike Munchak decided he was going to go to Denver, they promoted Sean Surrett similar to what they're doing right now. And so a lot of people wanted an an outside coach. They wanted someone coming from the outside that's going to bring in a new system, that's going to bring in fresh ideas. Someone that maybe Matt Canada, the new offensive coordinator, might have a hand in saying, let's let's do this, let's bring in this coach, he can do X, Y, and Z. But they didn't. They promoted Adrian Clem, and on Tuesday, they made it official. It had been rumored like Jerry Dulac, Ian Rappaport, Tom Pelissero, all those people had been saying Steelers are going to do this, but the Steelers, they made it official on Tuesday. So a lot of fans, and and I'm going to give my opinion of this in a little bit later. I know there was a question about this uh, during uh, for the mailbag segment, but I wanted to talk about an article that Dave Schofield wrote. Make sure you check out Dave's Stat Geek podcast every Thursday morning. Dave wrote the article, is it current current and former Steeler linemen give thoughts on the hiring of Adrian Clem? I'm not about to be brazen enough or have the the amount of hubris to sit here and say, oh yeah, I know all about Adrian Clem. He does this, what? No, I don't know that. I, I honestly couldn't have picked Adrian Clem out of a lineup if you wouldn't, if you would have said, hey, line up all these individuals, all these guys, big human beings, pick out Adrian Clem, I'd say no clue. I'll just take a guess. Okay, I didn't know anything. So you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to lean on these players that do know him. So Trey Essex, that might that name might ring a bell. He was a former lineman. He said this on Twitter from his verified Twitter page. The assistant offensive line coach often works closely with the rookies throughout the week with the offensive line coach gets the starters ready for the game. Kevin Dotson's performance this year without training camp should give you confidence in Coach Clem's potential. Ah, now that's interesting. I did not know that, and I'm sure that a lot of you listening did not know that either. So, hey, Kevin Dotson, he showed out, and we're going to talk about Kevin Dotson as we're going to highlight the rookie class here shortly. But that's interesting. We continue. Zach Banner. I actually... I think Zach Banner's going to be back. There's a little sidebar here. I think they're going to assign him maybe to a one- or two-year deal. He and Chuksakorafor will be the tackles for the next few seasons. But still, Zach Banner says, Y'all don't know Clem. We do. And that's all that matters. Okay. That's a current player on the team. All right? Current player on the team. Speaking of Chuksakorafor, he posted on his Instagram story, Best year yet. Can't wait. And he tagged uh, Coach Clem in that story. He seems to be excited about Coach Clem being the new offensive line coach. Now, Ramon Foster, 
Everyone knows Ramon Foster. He just retired after the 2019 season. He wrote, no lie, Clem is the best, all capitals, best option. Having been around him, he's a guy who gets it and knows how to challenge everyone in the room with an, with an ego removed. Solid, solid hire. With the room transitioning soon, he's the guy for the job. I co-sign this. And so then a, a follower of his and a Steeler fan quote tweeted that and said, I'm now all in on Clem. And so Foster responded to that fan and said, he's damn good. He has his own philosophy. He loves guys who play with an edge. Ask around. He's solid. And then Foster continued on and said, how is everyone upset with an offensive line coach hire when y'all don't even notice us unless we are making penalties? Linemen and O-line coaches matter. And he, he is super high on Clem, and he knows him probably better than most. To me, that speaks volumes. That speaks volumes. If you're someone that when you heard about it being an internal promotion, and that's exactly what happened with Clem, and you're thinking, oh, here we go again. This is literally Sean Surrett 2.0. Everything that you've heard, I would say, disagrees with that. I have to be completely candid with you here. I was the I was with the website BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I believe I wrote the story that Sean Surrett, myself or Dave Schofield, when Sean Surrett was promoted, and I don't remember this type of enthusiasm from the players when he was promoted. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Matt Canada I had to sign off on this. We know Tomlin and Art Rooney. They had to sign off on it as well. They seem comfortable with it. So let's take that with a grain of salt. So we'll get into Adrian Clem a little bit more. But let's talk about this draft class. You know, the it, one of the things that really bothers me, and I fall into this trap as well, when a season ends the way that it did for the Steelers, and it was a complete dud. I mean, it was just literally fall flat on your face, trip over. I mean, it was it was awful. It was awful. Not just the way that they lost in the playoffs. That was bad enough. But also when you think about that, they lose five of their last six games after 11-0 start. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. And so because of that, fans get jaded. Fans get angry. Fans get frustrated. And you are allowed to have those feelings. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you shouldn't. But what I don't want fans to do, and I don't want fans to fall into this trap, is that you never see anything positive that came out of that season. Look, I get it. Every single time the Steelers don't win a Lombardi trophy, it's considered a failure. It's Super Bowl or bust every single year with the Pittsburgh Steelers. When Ben Roethlisberger retires, those expectations will stay the same. When Mike Tomlin calls it a career, those expectations will stay the same. But with that said... I think one of the biggest bright spots for this Steelers team and this organization in 2020 was their rookie class. Their draft class, their 2020 NFL draft class, I thought was phenomenal. And they didn't have a lot of picks. Let's not forget that. They didn't have a lot of draft picks. They only had six draft picks. I believe the last time that the Steelers had that few of draft picks was back in 2003. That was the year that they had traded up uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs to get Troy Polamalu out of USC. Pretty good trade. <laughs> so they only had six draft picks. But the fact of the matter is, is that when you have one set, you don't have a first-round pick, okay? So they don't have a top pick. That was gone to Miami because of Minka Fitzpatrick. So you had a second-round pick, a third-round pick, two fourth rounds, a sixth and a seventh. So they didn't even have a fifth-round pick. All right, so when you only have six picks, you're thinking, okay, what, what kind of difference can these players make? You don't even have a first-round pick. 
You you don't have like the Devin Bush in 2019, even the Terrell Edmonds in 2018, the two, the 2017 first round pick TJ Watt. You don't have those players. You know, we're, we're talking about Watt Edmonds and Bush who stepped on the field in day one and just started right away. You didn't have that. So how can we look at this draft class and say, okay, how did they do? Like, is this draft class legit or is this just another so-so draft from the Steelers? Well, Chase Claypool is the second overall, second round pick, their first pick of the NFL draft out of Notre Dame, wide receiver, big body. I mean, this guy is a freak of nature. And he took this NFL and the Steelers fan base by storm. Heck, my oldest daughter has a Chase Claypool jersey now. She loves him, thinks he's fun to watch. He's charismatic. And he played in all 16 games. All 16 games he played in. He finished the season with 873 yards receiving on 62 receptions. He had nine receiving touchdowns. He had 10 rushes for 16 yards and two rushing touchdowns, 11 total touchdowns on the season. This kid, you know, when he was drafted, I thought a couple things about Chase Claypool. Number one, I thought he'd be a very good specialized player. What do I mean by that? I meant that I felt that Chase Claypool was a player that could be used in the red zone, specific routes, typically your fly routes, your go routes, your deep routes, but he wasn't going to be your every down player. I also thought that he was going to be an insurance policy if and when Juju Smith-Schuster then leaves, they have the next guy ready to come in. I do think the latter is still true. I do think that Chase Claypool did come in and he did provide an insurance policy and he is going to be have a bigger role in 2021. But I also think that he exceeded every single person's expectations, mine included. Chase Claypool... I, love, I thought his route tree developed significantly throughout the season. He was not a Mike Wallace one-trick pony type receiver, just a phenomenal, phenomenal rookie season for him. The sky is the limit for Chase Claypool. I'm excited to see what he's going to do in his sophomore season. In the third round, the Steelers went with Alex Highsmith. Now, if you're like me, when they made that announcement, here I am, I'm at my computer, I'm ready to go, everything's ready. Speed is the name of the game when you're covering the NFL draft. If you can be the first article out there, you're going to get a ton of pages. You are rewarded for speed. And so I'm I'm pretty quick. I've been doing this a long time, and I'm ready. And they say, the Steelers pick, Alex Highsmith, linebacker, Charlotte. And I stopped and said, who? What? Where? Get out of here. Who is this guy? No idea. Well, Alex Highsmith, he's older. He's an older player compared to who the Steelers normally go after. They like their young players. He's older, and he had a great senior season, and he had a great rookie season in the NFL, all things considered, because remember, he was playing behind Bud Dupree. He did play in all 16 games. He did uh, end up starting a few of those when Dupree went down with his uh, ACL tear, but even before Dupree went down, I kind of forgot about this play as I was looking up his statistics. He had two sacks. Okay. Uh, he had a pass defense. He had 48 total tackles, five, ta- five tackles for a loss, six quarterback hits. But, man, I forgot about the interception against the Ravens. What a huge play that was in Baltimore that turned the tide. It was Highsmith that dropped into coverage. He is athletic, and he is a pass-rushing demon. He kind of reminds me of a smaller Kevin Green. Kevin Green just, he knew how to get to the quarterback. Alex Highsmith has a wide arsenal of moves to get to the quarterback. I tell you what, he's only going to get better. I think that fans are not mourning the loss, the eventual loss of Bud Dupree anymore. Not 
not the way they thought they were going to because Alex Smith proved himself to be pretty worthy of that role when he gets it in his second season. So Alex Highsmith, man, I, I didn't know who the heck he was, but boy, did he make an impact. Boy, did he make an impact. Next, the another uh, their first fourth-round pick, Anthony McFarland out of Maryland. He's a running back, tons of speed. This was a disappointing season for him by a lot of people. He played in 11 games, 33 carries for 133 yards. That's it. He did have a couple of receptions, nothing really noteworthy. Uh, six catches for 54 yards. Did not hit pay dirt. But I still believe that Anthony McFarland can have a role on this team moving forward. A lot of fans think, oh, well, this guy didn't do any. Well, remember, remember, most of the times that the, most of the time the Steelers, when they have drafted a running back, it's the second year when they actually start to really put things together. It, Le'Veon Bell, when in, in, when he was drafted in the second round in 2013, it wasn't until 2014 he really started to show up. James Conner, same thing. I think Anthony McFarland next season is going to be better equipped with conditioning. He's going to have a better understanding of the offense, especially with Matt Canada, who obviously was with him at Maryland when he was there. Uh, I just think that Anthony McFarland could be a great third down back. He does have good hands out of the backfield. He can, if he can improve his pass, his blitz pickup, he could be a really good weapon for the Steelers. I'll put it that way. I think he could be a really good weapon. Do I think he's their every down back? No, but I don't. I never thought that that was who they had when they drafted him. Anyways, I never thought, oh, Anthony McFarland, that's their next bell cow. No, it's not. He's never going to be that guy. But that doesn't mean he can't be a really good part of the equation. I think Anthony McFarland's going to be better. I think that he's going to be a really good weapon uh, for the Steelers, and I think he's versatile enough to both be a weapon in the running game and in the passing game. So keep that in mind. The other fourth-round pick, shoot, Kevin Dotson out of Louisiana. How could you not like this kid from the start? I mean, Kevin Dotson, he's during when gyms are closed down, he's in his front yard, he's on his driveway pulling trucks. He's grew up a Steeler fan. His family, his dad's a huge Steeler fan. He's been a Steeler fan his whole life. And he comes in and no one knows what to expect. Everything you read about Kevin Dotson coming out of Louisiana was that he was a mauler. He's a guy that's going to come downhill, just punish you. He was telling the media that in college he used to tell the opposition what play was being run just so that when he dominated them, even after they knew where the ball was going, he could look over them and say, you have no chance at all. That's the type of stuff that Dotson was known for. What did he do when he came into the NFL? He was graded out by Pro Football Focus. And remember, he did play in 13 games. He had a stint with COVID and a missed time for that. He had four starts. So it's not like he didn't play much. Pro Football Focus had him as one of the highest-graded rookie linemen and the highest-graded Steeler linemen in terms of pass protection. He didn't necessarily show out in the run game like we all thought. It was in pass pro that he did a great job. He filled in nicely for Matt Filer when he was out with his injury. Kevin Dotson gives the Steelers now some flexibility with when you look at the fact that Matt Filer is going to be a free agent. If if he goes elsewhere – they have that guard that can step right in and be your every down guard. What a pick. What a pick. Pick number 135 in the fourth round. Kevin Dotson looks like the guard they're going to have for over a decade in the in the black and gold. What a selection. Then you go to the sixth round because there was no fifth round pick. Antoine Brooks Jr. out of Maryland, another Terp, another Terrapin. He's that safety slash linebacker hybrid. He bounced back and forth 
with the uh, the active roster. He was a COVID call-up on more than one occasion. Only ended with four games played. He had two tackles. But the fact that he made the team, he didn't make the team coming out of camp. They, they had to bring him back on the practice squad. But the fact that they trusted him to really get onto the football field on certain occasions, I think that's a bright spot. And then seventh round, Carlos Davis, all right, his twin brother, they both played in Nebraska. His twin brother went, I believe, in the fourth round or mid-round, something like that. He's a defensive tackle, played in seven games, had six tackles, one for a loss. And I didn't even think Carlos Davis was going to be on this team. I'm going to be really, really honest. Everyone that said, that watched film, you know, I think about Jeffrey Benedict did a breakdown of every single draft pick. And when he did Carlos Davis's breakdown he he literally jokingly had it labeled in our queue that carlos davis is not good at football or something like that and it was hysterical and i laughed but you know what while no one thought everyone thought this is kids a project he's athletic for a defensive tackle he's got some speed to him and he's but he's just not fundamentally sound it was carlos davis from nebraska not really the football hotbed you're used to it being from Nebraska that was getting a helmet over Isaiah Bugs from Alabama, who had a year under his belt already. Carlos Davis was the one that he and Bugs got into that match, that shoving match on the sideline, and Chris Wormley had to break it up. Uh, that was towards the end of the season. I might think that was against Cleveland. I'm not sure. At the, in Week 17. Not, nonetheless, this is a situation where I was pleasantly surprised that Carlos Davis didn't just make the team, but he actually made, he, he got a helmet. He got a helmet on more than one occasion, played in seven games. So for pick number 232, if you can have your seventh round pick make the team and actually contribute in some way, shape, or form, I don't think that's a bad pick. So let's wrap this segment up. When you look at Claypool, Highsmith, McFarland, Dotson, Brooks, and Davis, is this a good draft class? I think it is. I really do think it is because... You're looking at Chase Claypool's a superstar. Alex Highsmith is a budding star on defense. I do think Anthony McFarland's going to have an impact. Uh, it might not be what fans hoped, but I think he is going to have a role. He's going to have an impact. Kevin Dotson, like I said, I think he's going to be a ten. He's going to be on the Steelers. <laughs> You're going to see. I think it's number sixty-nine in black and gold for a long time. We'll put it that way. And then you have Brooks and Davis. If they can develop into depth players, or if they can just contribute in some way, shape, or form. You're hitting on four out of six picks. Think about that. Four out of six picks. That is a solid, solid draft class. When you only get six picks and you hit four out of four of them, you're talking about four starters, and you didn't have a first-round pick, and you didn't have a fifth-round pick. You had a, t- a second, a third, and two fourths. Kevin Colbert knows what he's doing. We'll put it that way. All right, Dave, when we come back, that first segment went a little long. I apologize. When we come back, I'm going to open up the mailbag. going to answer every single one of these questions, folks. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be over. Right we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass.
All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment. It's Wednesday hump day, and it's my ride or die crew time. That's right, it's mailbag, ride or die crew. Hashtag use it if you're on Twitter. I love it. I love to see the camaraderie, people that trust me. In my opinion, I still don't really find myself worthy of that, but nonetheless, a lot of people have been listening and they love it, so I love you all right back. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Let's get this show on the road. Chris Carey says, talking two years down the road. Goodness gracious, Chris, two years down the road? I'm just kidding. Two years down the road, would you rather re-sign Minka or Devin Bush to long-term deal? I know a lot could change within the upcoming season, but what slash who do you feel is more important to do it with TJ for the long term? To be completely honest with you, once you look at the 2022 salary cap and you look at the fact that the Steelers are going to have a boatload of money available, the reason being is that Ben Roethlisberger is going to be off the books unless they decide to give an extension and they bump, they kick the can further down the street. Even if TJ Watt's going to get paid with some of the, with that money, even with that that contract, the way the Steelers do their contracts and they defer the money later. They should be able to keep all three of these players, to be completely honest with you. They should be able to keep all three. They're going to use Minka Fitzpatrick's fifth-year option because he's a first-round pick. They'll use Devin Bush's fifth-year option as well. It's it's not ideal, but at the same time, when you're looking at these two players, you don't always have to pick one or the other. They can keep both. They'll have to sacrifice in other positions. You look at how the draft could impact this, meaning let's say the Steelers get a quarterback and they trade up and get a quarterback in this year's draft, that means that for the next four to five years, they're going to be having a really cheap option at quarterback, which means they can spend money elsewhere, maybe like Minka or Bush. I don't think you have to choose either one. I think TJ, Minka, and Devin Bush are going to be there for a long time. We'll put it that way. Next question, Brian Haynes. Boy, he he cheats the system here, but he uses the hashtag ride or die crew, so I, I forgive me. He has three questions. Number one, would you trade Ben a 2021 first and second for Watson. I kind of gave this scenario for Watson on Monday's Let's Ride, so go back and check that out if you haven't yet. And I suggested giving up a first, swapping first-round picks in this year's draft, giving up a first next year, and then I think a first and a second the year after. I I don't think that Houston Texans want Ben Roethlisberger anyways, because they would have to absorb his contract. No one's going to want that. So I'm going to say that no, it's just not going to happen. Number two. If Watt comes to Pittsburgh, he's talking about JJ, what position would he be playing? I think that he would be playing some of the, you know, think about the Steelers and the way that they use their sub packages. They honestly, honest to goodness, they like to move people around. They don't have a nose tackle a lot. If he were to come to Pittsburgh, he would be in that rotation and they can move him all over the place. They can put him as almost like a deep defensive end in a four, three alignment. They can put him on the interior. He can play anywhere. I don't think they'd have a problem. I also don't think he's going to be coming to Pittsburgh. And number three, the top five quarterbacks are off the board. You have uh, Najee Harris, Dickerson, um, and Cosme at 24. I'm going to take uh, Dickerson. I'm going to take the lineman. I think that's who you go with. I think that's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Made a mistake. I'm still going to, Harris is there. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. I don't like any of these players in the first round, but I'll go with Harris because he's a proven starter, proven commodity. There we go. Next question. Ben, he says, so with Connor probably not coming back, do you see them drafting a running back this year? Also, do you think they will finally use Derek Watt heavily in the run game and who McFarlane or Snell would run better with Watt leading the way? 
Hashtag ride or die crew. That's what I'm talking about, Ben. Thank you very much. So I don't think Connor's going to be back. I just don't think there's a need to bring him back. Uh, Art Rooney II's comments were pretty poignant about James Connor. I do think they might look for a running back in the draft, although if they don't, maybe they look for a free agent running back to come in. I think about the running back room. You know, if James Connor's gone, you're going to have Jalen Samuels as the vet. You're going to have Benny Snell, and then you're going to have Anthony McFarlane. They're going to want to add to that group. I'm not sure what that player would would look like. I mean, yeah, you could get into a, you could go out and draft a higher profile running back, and I'm not going to be against that. I don't think they should do it in the first round, but I do think if you draft one second or third round, you can still find a lot of good talent. I think that though McFarland or Snell running behind Watt, I'm going to refer to Jeffrey Benedict, who said that James Conner was the one that one that ran really well with a fullback, not Snell. I'm not sure if that's still true, if Matt Canada's system is going to make that different. People forget. You get Derek Watt, who's a fullback. You can't really run a fullback out of the shotgun. And Ben Roethlisberger is obsessed with running plays out of the shotgun. He does not like to get under center anymore. They're going to have to have their quarterback under center if they want to use the fullback, regardless of who the running back is. So keep that in mind. Lori, she says, Not really a question, but would love to hear your thoughts on the Steelers promoting Adrian Clem to O-line coach. Instead of bringing someone from the outside with more coaching experience, hashtag ride or die crew. Thank you very much, Lori. Um, you know, Adrian Clem, I, I said it earlier to start the show, I defer often to former players and people that know more about the game than I do. I'm not an expert. I'm an opinionated fan, and people like to listen to my opinion for whatever reason. I don't know. But with that said, I look at this and say, the promotion from within doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be Sean Surratt 2.0. going to put it that way. A lot of fans are like, oh, gosh, here we go again. They're just promoting from within. It's all they ever do. They're never going outside the box. Well, they did interview some players, some players, some coaches for the vacancy. Uh, Fraley was one from Detroit. He decided to stay. And they didn't really make any other interviews public. That didn't mean they didn't interview anyone else. But they didn't make those public or it was not made known. I don't know what to think so much about this other than I want to see what he can do with Matt Canada. Everything is so new. Everything is so new. So unless you were to bring in someone like Munchak, who is, his resume is ridiculous. Mike Munchak is a Hall of Fame player. He is He was a head coach. Uh, he was a good head coach. And people forget, he was fired from the Titans because he wouldn't fire his whole staff. And so he said, okay, you're going to have to fire me too, and they did. But Munchak is an all-world player, coach, whatever. Unless you're bringing in someone with that type of pedigree, you're always going to wonder, is this is this the guy? Is he the right guy? We'll have to see. The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding, but I will refer to the, fl- the players that I mentioned at the beginning of the show who said they like it. They like the promotion. They think it's a good hire. Paul asked, just for fun, which player would you keep, trade, or cut? So he has two rounds. All right, so keep, trade, or cut. Round one, Vince Williams, Stefan Tuitt, David DeCastro. All right, uh, keep, trade, or cut. I'm going to, hmm, if, I, if I'm overthinking this, I'm going to say I would whew, trade Stefan Tuitt. I said this on Monday. I'll say it again. His stock will never be higher. After 11 and a half sacks, you can get some. You can get something really good for him. So trade Stefan to it. I'm going to keep Vince Williams because they have to. They have to keep an inside linebacker. They're just so thin there. And I would cut David DeCastro if I have to do this round. I'd cut David DeCastro. He didn't play well last year. They've got Kevin Dotson. You could maybe re-sign Matt Filer for cheap. 
Boom, there you go. Now, second round, Steven Nelson, Big Ben, and David DeCastro. Why does David DeCastro get twice? I don't know. Okay, so keep, trade, and cut. Okay, so I'm going to, in this round, Steven Nelson. I am going to... Gosh, I don't think he would have much on the trade. Okay, so here, let's start. I'm going to trade David DeCastro. All pro player, still has pedigree. You might be able to get something for him. I'm going to... Cut, <laughs> that was it. trade David DeCastro. I'm going to cut Big Ben. Let's start fresh. See what whether it's Mason Rudolph um, or Dwayne Haskins can do. And then I hopefully, I, I still hope the Steelers draft a quarterback this year, <clears throat> Trey Lance. And Steven Nelson, I'll keep him. And then hashtag ride or die crew. That's right, Paul. Thank you very much. All right, uh, Zibs writes, do you think the team – will take the fifth year on their safeties, and he's talking about Terrell Edmonds and Minka Fitzpatrick, or let them play out their fourth year and decide what to do with them next year with more salary cap. I don't think there's any doubt that Minka Fitzpatrick, they're going to use his fifth-year option. I think that's a no-brainer. Terrell Edmonds is a different story because Terrell Edmonds is a player that, for as good and consistent as he's been, he has been consistent. I think he's getting better. He still is someone that, for whatever reason... They just don't screen first-round draft pick. I'm not sure why. I do think they, for Minka, for sure, I wouldn't be shocked if they use it for Edmonds either, try to keep that duo together. Or maybe they try to not use it with Edmonds and get him signed, like you said, to a deal, and then they can deal with Minka afterwards. I'm not sure. We'll see how that plays out, but that's my guess. El Duterino, love that name. He says, maybe I'll, maybe I'm overreacting here, but don't you think the Steelers are dull and stale when it comes to planning a rebuild that's very much upon them? The best Recent moves were the aggressive ones, and even so, it looks like they're going back to the same old bureaucratic approach. I, I'm not disagreeing with you, El Duterino. I think, though, that we are labeling the Canada promotion and now the Clem promotion way too early. We are judging it before it's ever even been given a shot. I know. It seems like the same old song and dance, and I, I definitely am attuned to that. But at the same time, I think that there can still be what you described as aggressive moves to be made with the NFL draft coming up with a potential trade. You think about um, free agency trades, stuff like that can happen. I'm not going to say that it's the same old bureaucratic approach until all that dust is settled. And so I'm not dodging your question there, Deuterino. I just think that for me, I think that this could still be a rebuild and they could still be doing it the right way and it just hasn't unfolded yet because we haven't gotten to that point. Good question, though, or statement, whatever. So Pierce asks, what was the best Steeler game experience you've had in person and on TV? Okay, so in person, believe it or not, in 2013, that was the year the Steelers started 0-4, I was selected by NBC Sports to be a fan of the week for Sunday Night Football when they hosted Jay Cutler and the Chicago Bears. The Steelers lost that game. Like I said, they went 0-4, and that was at the beginning of the season. That was a really great weekend. Uh, it started off on Friday. We met at uh, Jerome Bettis's Grill 36. We had dinner there. We met all these producers and people like that. Uh, we got jerseys. Um, we've got we got terrible towels. We got shirts. I mean, we got everything. They they took us around town in the Sunday night football bus. Um, it was awesome. It was a great experience. Great seats for the game. I wish they would have won. Met some really great people there as well. Uh, but that was cool. On person. There's still uh, Super Bowls are Super Bowls. 
there was nothing better. No game experience will ever probably in my life match the 2005 Indianapolis Colts divisional round win. It, it's so much because of the story. I'll, I'll save that story for maybe I'll do it on Friday with my heart to heart. Let me write that down. I'm going to write that down on Friday. I'm going to tell the story, a little teaser. I'm going to tell the story about the Colts game and that divisional round uh, in 2005 because it's a great story. It's a longer story, but it's you know I'm a storyteller. And so check that out, Pierce. I thank you for the question. Last question here. John Rolison asked, do you think the Steelers drafted McFarland because they were planning on having him start this year because they would lose Connor in free agency? No, I don't think so, John. I think they drafted him because his skill set is unique, it's different, and it could bring an added dimension to the offense. Matt Canada being there, I think that he probably gave them as a quarterback's coach at that time. He gave them an inside look as to what type of player he is, the player that he would like to have in on the offense, and now he's going to have him at his disposal. Could he end up starting? Possibly, but at the same time, I'm not sure that's why they drafted him. So there you go to answer your questions. Thank you to everyone that put in the questions. Again, if you want your question answered on the Wednesday shows, follow me on Twitter. Go at J Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Every Tuesday around midday or early afternoon, I will put the question out there and I'll retweet it on the Behind the Steel Curtain feed. And I'll just say, hey, who's got questions? And that's what happens. They all fire away. You are great. Hashtag ride or die crew. I appreciate you. I love you all. Oh, man, it's awesome. I really do love this show. I love the people that follow it. You all are great. Thank you very much. So listen, everyone, I hope you have a great day. Make sure you catch me on Friday for my Super Bowl picks. That story about the Colts. And we'll be talking about all things Pittsburgh Steelers. You know that, no doubt. In the meantime, make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, wherever you get your podcasts, search Steelers, or Behind the Steel Curtain. Subscribe, follow, do whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. In the meantime, folks, you know how we ended here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great day, everyone. Go Steelers. Here we go. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. 
Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.